Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 335th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that. To be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win! 54 to 53! North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to win it! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May, it's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys once again today. Here to recap Carolina's 86-79 defeat on the road at Syracuse. Um, as Carolina has now lost three of their last five games and are now 11-3 and in the ACC. We'll do what we always do. You'll, we'll take a look at the box score. You'll hear from head coach Huber Davis. We'll give our stat of the game before we get you know to our overall discussion topic following the defeat, but uh, we'll just go ahead and get right into it. Carolina Falls last night, 86-79, um, in a game that, Frankly, they had no business winning the way that they defended. Um, you give up 86 points. You give up 40 or more in both halves. You allow Syracuse to shoot 63% from the field, 47% from three. Not a whole lot. You 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 know you shouldn't have expected a different result. And yet, as Carolina has in virtually every single loss this season. They were there with the chance to win the game at the four-minute mark, and you know we're not we're not here to talk about moral victories because we we don't believe in that. But I, I think what what Carolina fans are having a hard time grasping and understanding is you're you're getting a dose of reality of what every top ten team outside of the two best teams in the country have gone through since conference play, which means you leave home, you get beat. Um, AP top 10 teams are 33-34 and 34 on the road against unranked competition. If if, 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 if that number were to, were to hold, it would set a new record in the poll era by 26 percentage points. 
And, and so, you know, it's always been hard going on the road and winning in college basketball. And it's gotten even tougher with the transfer portal because some of these middle-of-the-road teams are able to get older guys from mid-major conferences to transfer up. So you're, some of these teams are more experienced. Maybe with NIL, they have more talent than, they're, than some of these teams are used to having. And not, not that I'm happy that Carolina's 19-6 and six and 11-3, and three, but when virtually every team outside of the, the teams that have separated themselves since all the way back in December have gone on the road and gotten beaten more often than not, you're hard-pressed to find me or to hear me come on here and overreact when this is just what the this is what college basketball is in 2024. I mean, I guess. I mean, I think it's kind of. I mean, at this point, it's it's bordering on excuse making, though. Like this team, th- this is a game that you should have won because Syracuse is not a tournament team, and the teams that a lot of these other teams are losing to are tournament teams. There, there are not a lot of bad losses like this that are happening. And at this point, we thought Carolina was above this. We thought that Carolina was a national title contender. And that's the thing. Like, I I, I tweeted out last night, I still think Carolina is a good team. I still think Carolina is a second weekend of the tournament team. But the way that they have played recently, it is hard to say they are a national title contender. Because there are... Teams that have been able to navigate the types of games that Carolina has. This is a team that's fallen back into some habits from the early part of the season that had us very concerned. And, you know, overall, you, you just wonder, you know, where what is the mindset of this team? Because we said after the Clemson game, this is what we're this is when we're gonna find out. Well, I gotta be honest, they should be 0-2. Because they were they were not good against Miami, and they found a way to escape. This game against Syracuse, much of the same thing. I mean, it, it, these last three games have legitimately looked like last year's team at times. It's just it, it's it's not good enough. It, it it's just that simple. If you want to be a national title contender, if not, and you're okay with finishing probably third in the ACC and being a team that's in the NCAA tournament that can get to the second weekend, and that's probably your ceiling, then I, I think you're you're fine with where you're at. But to me, you know, it, it, this, is, this is a team that we had been growing those expectations towards getting to Phoenix, and right now I just I don't have confidence that that's happening. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's February 14th. Their their best basketball should still be ahead of them, and I I don't I don't know how you look at last I mean, night's loss. And can the, we can we say this is their worst basketball? This is this is as bad as they've they've looked all season. I mean the the turnovers are pathetic. Like the the fact that you I mean last night and I get it, guys hit shots last night. You allowed a team to shoot sixty two percent from the field. Like that's. That just ain't gonna cut it, man. If you're gonna fight, like if you do that in the tournament, you're done. You lose and you're out. So, I mean, yeah, I get it, it that that it's you know you're hoping that the best basketball is ahead of them. But the thing is, is at some point, like it's got to start clicking now. Like moving forward, there can't be another loss like this. 
If you're going to start putting it together and building yourself for March, it really has to start here within the next game or two, or else you're probably saying to yourself, this is a team that you know started the that that really peaked in the middle of the season. Yeah, look, I I did not look at last night's game and my and my conclusion was, yeah, we're not good enough to make the final four. That's there look, we, we you going that into lo- the, last night locked it up for me. Um, well, I mean, that's just it's just really it's a it's a bad place to be at because it's frankly it's way it's it's inaccurate. This is still a, a Final Four caliber team. Based off of what? Based on the fact that l- look at look at what every other team in the country has gone through. Who are these teams that are losing to teams like Syracuse? Syracuse is not a good basketball team. They are, were outside of the out of the top ninety in the net. And this is a horrible team. And it's a, and you it's, got beat. You got you should have gotten blown out in this game. The way you played, you deserve to get blown off. Which is why you should be encouraged that as bad as you played defensively, you were still there with four minutes to go with a chance to win the game. And if, if J.J. Starling doesn't bank in a, a, a 30-footer, who knows how that game goes because you finally got the lead, and that's the type of shot, that's the type of play that just wipes the wind out of your sails. Because what do you do after that? After everything that they've already had made – and then he has to throw up a, a prayer and ask the basketball gods to answer it, it gets answered. Like, a lot of this was, A, second time you've played them. It's it's really hard to to sweep teams year in, year out. It's why Carolina shriek of having swept at least one ACC team every year of ACC play is one of the more improbable things that you could ever see in, in, in modern college athletics. Like, maybe in the old days it made sense when you had six other teams in the conference and there was generally one bad team. But with conference expansion and you're facing sometimes really good teams more often than not, and you're still sweeping them more often than not, really impressive. You knew the Syracuse team was going to want to battle back after what happened to you in Chapel Hill. And I think that's why everyone skewed at what last night was. If Carolina beat Syracuse by 12-14 to 14 in Chapel Hill – we probably don't look at this and think, man, bad loss, inexcusable loss. But because we ran them out of the gym and we beat them by 36, we fans think that we should go up there and blow them out again. Look, I thought Carolina should have won the game because they are they are a better team. But you got a first-year head coach that their team has gone through some up and downs throughout the season. But you you could tell that last night they were responding to him because of the way that he talked about them publicly after a blowout loss to us and a blowout loss to Wake Forest. So they were going to be motivated to not to not let that happen again. And and, and so you you're 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 19 and 6, you're 11 and 3 in the league and now that's that's not final four caliber? No. Like I, I just I just don't under like I just don't understand like if you watch college basketball night in night out. There are two teams that have separated themselves from this happening to them. That's UConn and Purdue. Those are the two best teams in the country. And guess what? They've lost road games. That two teams that might not make the tournament. UConn lost to Seton Hall. Purdue lost to Northwestern. Those teams aren't locks to make the NCAA tournament. 
and I, I don't think the messaging coming out of those defeats were, hey, we're not good enough to make it to Phoenix. We're not. We're we're going to finish third in our conference. Like the beautiful thing is, is Carolina still has everything in front of them. Like now, if if you if you, if if you wilter and you fall down the stretch, then you got to have a conversation. But you've got four of your last six games at home, and you've 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 clearly, like most teams, you've been much better at home. And the hope and the belief and the expectation is that you defend home court, you find a way to split your two road games, which will be your two toughest games remaining on your schedule, at Charlottesville, at Duke, the two games that will probably define who wins the ACC regular season title. Um, If Carolina finds a way to split them, you probably put yourself in a position to at least have a share of an ACC regular season championship. And if that happens... And you wind up on the two, the, you know, the two line come selection Sunday, maybe even the three line. I don't know how you look at that when you get your bracket and say, "Well, yep, we're not good enough to make the Final Four because we lost at Syracuse." Like I, I'm, I'm just. We wanted to talk about that after Georgia Tech. Maybe that was more realistic. Georgia Tech, bad team, but that was a classic trap game. The game before the biggest game of the season, and it was against a team that at home played ranked competition really, really well. Last night, you ran into a backcourt that was hot, was hot all night. You had no answers, and you you just you got you got outscored because you weren't good enough, tough enough, disciplined enough to get stops. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's a problem. That means you're not good enough to make it to Phoenix when it's all said and done. Like I, I just to me I mean that's 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 a game that it felt like you needed. You needed that to sort of gain some confidence, get yourself back on track because Miami, and again, you didn't have to blow them out, but you had to at least find a way to win that game because yeah, now, I mean, how do you have any confidence they're going on the road and winning at Virginia and at Duke? Like the way they're playing on the road right now, and I got to be honest, are we are we guaranteed to win at home? Because you lost to Clemson at home, a team that was desperate. And again, every team you play down the stretch of the season is desperate. They still feel like they have a chance to make the tournament if they beat you. Like Virginia Tech, I know that their record is horrible. In their mind, they they look at you and think, if we beat them, we're back in the conversation. Because, I mean, look what look at what Pitt's done. They've gotten themselves back in the conversation because they played better down the stretch of conference play against the mediocre teams. And then they find a way to beat uh, Virginia last night, and all of a sudden now you're back in the conversation. So that's the problem that Carolina is running into. To me, it's just I, the things that you're seeing defensively. These la- and even you go back to the game against Duke, and Carolina wasn't great defensively. I mean, Jared McCain had a huge night against them. Filipowski had a big night as well. So it's it's not like Carolina even defended great in that game. And to me, if, if you're going, this is not an offense right now that is doing what we saw early in the season. They're not an offense that's going to score consistently near 85-90 in order to win you some of these shootout games. It's just, it's not there right now, and especially not if teams are going to go into zone defense against you because you got no answers for it. Like that, they, this is three straight games we've seen teams implore the, the zone defense, and you've had absolutely nothing any time that they've gone to it. You've panicked. So, 
I mean, it's just there. there's things here that it feels like, I mean, yeah, could Carolina ultimately overcome them? Yes, but the way they're playing right now, losing three of their last five, and at times, I mean, these midweek games, they they just do not seem like they're prepared for. Like, again, last night, came out, Syracuse, more energy than you, and built a significant lead. And then all of a sudden, you're playing from behind. In the second half, did the exact same thing to you, where you just weren't ready to start the half. Now, part of that was you didn't have Armando Baycott because he was being evaluated for an injury. And then Elliot Cadeau gets hit in the face, and he has to go out and be evaluated for an injury. But to me, it all circles back to what you're doing defensively. If you're not bringing the effort on the defensive end of the floor, it's going to be hard for you to make a run in March. And I, I, you know, look, we had started to believe that this team was different. Ultimately, I think they're somewhere in between the team that we've seen the last few games at times in the non-conference and the group that we saw to start conference play. But they have to find that happy medium and soon because last night, I mean, that was that that, that was a team that you literally could not buy back-to-back stops against. A team that is on their way to missing yet another NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, look if if, if you're if you're now questioning your confidence and what this team can do down the stretch. I don't see how you're that fragile as a fan with everything that this team has done. Uh, this is a team that that beat Tennessee at home. They beat an Oklahoma team that's going to the NCAA tournament. They they've they they they're six and two on the road in conference play. You've won your biggest game at home so far this season. Like I I, I just I'm just not at a point where after last night I don't trust them to win. I don't see the same energy that I saw prior to that Clemson game. I mean, I, I question if that. That the the concerns from that Clemson game, the first two games that we've seen after it, they're legitimate. They do not look like a team that is bringing the same type of commitment and energy that they were before then. And I wonder, was that a moment that fractured this locker room to a certain extent? Because, I mean, you 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 had to you barely survived Miami in a game that looked very similar to what we've seen. What we saw last year, what we saw before the run in 21-22. And then in this game, this was very reminiscent of what we saw at times the last few years. So, I mean, I don't know, man. It's I, I hope I, I hope I'm wrong. And I mean, look, again, I don't think it's gonna get to the point. Like I saw people that said that this team's gonna miss the NCAA tournament. That's that's ridiculous. This team would pretty much have to lose out to not make it into the tournament field. I don't think it's going to get it anywhere close to that. But could I see this team being a 5 or 6 seed with the way that they're playing right now? Yeah, I mean I could see it. It's 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 not impossible. Okay. Uh we're not going to entertain uh, that that idea, that possibility. You take a look at the box score. Um offensively it was there for Carolina to win the game. It wasn't there defensively. Syracuse shoots 63% from the field. They were 30 of 48. Carolina shot 48%. They were 29 of 61. Syracuse shot 8 of 17 from three. Meanwhile, Carolina shot 12 of 27 from behind the three-point line. 
So 44%, and you made 12 threes. So believe it or not, as much as they did struggle at times against the zone, you you were able to get success shooting against it. Um, they lost, you know, the free throw line was a big deal in this game. Carolina, 9 of 11 from the foul line, so not a bad percentage. But Syracuse was 18 of 25. So they made nine more free throws than you and attempted 14 more than you. Um, and that, the thing about it is the zone forces you to get comfortable, to start settling for long jump shots. Carolina was never able to get them out of it fully, and when they were in man, they didn't drive the ball enough to get to the free throw line. Turnovers were also a big issue for this team. 11 turnovers for Carolina led to 15 points for Syracuse, including in the final stretch where your two oldest players commit three turnovers in the final four minutes. It's hard to win when your your, your two oldest players can't stop turning the ball over. Syracuse, meanwhile, just eight turnovers, but Carolina scored 15 points. And so with the success that you had in scoring off of turnovers, you would think that a press that has been so effective for you would have been deployed to speed the game up and and maybe get them to commit a few extra turnovers, take a bad shot, and you get a run out. That didn't happen. The rebounding also. Carolina just won the rebounding margin 31-23, to and you like being plus eight on the glass. But you beat them 53-30 to on the boards uh, a month ago. And this was a team that came in with a negative four rebounding margin against them. And you just, even with double-doubles from Baycott and Ingram, you thought there would have been more in that department. Um, and you got 13 offensive rebounds, and you got 18 second-chance points. But when you don't get stops, you don't get defensive rebounds, you can't run off of misses. Bench points, favor of Carolina, 10-8. to Points in the paint, even 32-32. But again, Carolina 58-32 in the first matchup. In this game, 26 points less. Fast break points, favor of Carolina, 18-9. And the Heels had 19 assists on their 29 made baskets. Meanwhile, Syracuse with 11 assists on just their on their 30 made baskets and so it's a box score that you look at it from the offensive side and it's a winning box score you see those numbers a lot of times it's going to translate to a victory but um when you allow a team to shoot 63 percent from the field and you allow their two best players to combine for 48 points it's hard it's hard to win whether you're at home or in this case as uh when you're on the road let's now transition to the quote of the game and Hubert Davis said that they weren't surprised by the way Syracuse played in their upset win over them last night. Syracuse is a good basketball team, extremely well coached. That's directly in high school to think that you can beat somebody this time and then it's going to be an easy game the next time. That's the ACC basketball, the best conference in college basketball. We knew uh, you know, Syracuse going to this game was 11 2 at home and that uh, they're a very good basketball team and that we needed to play well in order to have a chance to win. Look, you knew coming off the Clemson loss, they'd be motivated to want to protect home court. Um, they'd only lost at home twice this season, once to Florida State and then that one to Clemson. Um, I will say this. I felt good for Adrian Autry um, because I feel like he's a good man to lead the next era of Syracuse basketball, was looking for a signature, a marquee win, something he could hang his hat on um, during his first season. And Jimmy Dykes talked about it uh, during the broadcast. It was their first win over a ranked opponent like in five years, Um, something you just don't typically see from Syracuse. But that type of win can build momentum. 
Um, and for a league that's looking to restore itself as the premier college basketball conference in the country, as much as Carolina and Duke being at the top helped that cause, when you got brands like Syracuse and Louisville not holding up their ends of the bargain, you need them to return to re- return to to past glory to help you, you know, rebrand the image of your conference. Stat of the game, it's pretty simple. It's field goal percentage. Because Syracuse shot 63%, and you shot 48%. Uh, 48%, whether you're at home or on the road, should win you a ball game. Combine that with shooting 44% from three on 12 makes. So you had a good percentage there, and you had a volume of, of, of makes. But when you don't get consistent stops, all that kind of gets gets washed away. Um, as Syracuse was as hot as they've been at any game, at any point so far this season. So we've we've set the initial uh, grounds. We, we, we've got our initial thoughts and takeaways from the loss last night in Syracuse. Coming up next, we'll get into further thoughts, more takeaways, and a whole much more. But first, got to get you a word from one of our partners. Hey there, Josh here for the Autograph Fandom app. Want to get rewarded for listening to our show? The team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady, is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom they take every day, like listening to this show. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and much more. You're already listening to our show, but now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. One of the rewards that they have for you guys exclusively this evening are tickets to the game against Virginia Tech. $34 tickets in section 208 and you can enter by going on to the uh, Autograph Fandom Rewarded app, downloading it, using that promo code HEELTOUGH and reading our articles and listening to our podcast. If you stack up enough points, you'll be entered for a chance to win those tickets at a discounted price. Don't miss out on this great reward, and there'll be so many more like that coming up later in the season, including for the NC State and Duke games down the stretch of the year. Head over to the Apple App Store and search Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it for free today using the referral code HEELTOUGH. Link and code are also in our podcast description. Really hope you guys are taking full advantage of, 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 of the Autograph Fandom app. Make sure you use that promo code. Get a chance to earn tickets, uh, to win tickets to this weekend's game at home against Virginia Tech. Back to the Syracuse loss. Um, look, the one thing I'm not going to disagree with is the defensive regression is real. Um, you, you've now given up 70 points or more in five straight games. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're you're two and three in those games. Um, but I, I think if you're if you're a Carolina fan that thought that what you saw up until Georgia Tech was going to carry over for 20 games, you were lying to yourself. It's it's hard to ask for that type of success over three months of a of a conference season. You're gonna run into games. You're gonna run into teams that um, are just better than you on the on a certain night. I thought that was certainly the case last night because last night to me wasn't an effort issue. I thought Carolina's effort was there. I just didn't think they executed the game plan. And also, like we talked so much in the preseason, and we had basketball people come on here and talk about the biggest concern 
uh, about a backcourt featuring R.J. Davis and Elliot Cadeau was how, given how small it was, how easy would it be for opponents' guards to shoot over them? Well, that was the thing last night. Like, you look at a lot of those 18-foot jump shots that Judah Mintz made, that J.J. Starling made, they were contested shots. They're just taller than R.J. They're taller than Elliott. Heck, they're even taller than, than Cormac Ryan. And they're just able to rise above them, shoot over the top of their extended arm, and put the ball in the basket. And so this is where I think it's okay to be frustrated with Hubert Davis as to to why the, the press was was not featured after you used it in the first half after getting down 10 and you blink up three minutes later, you're back in the ball game. You don't really see it the rest of the way. You never put any pressure on the backcourt. You never made them had to work the ball uh, up, up, up against it. And Syracuse's two best players played the entire game. Like you never, you never made them had to work for anything. They were able to save their legs and conserve their energy for because they knew they were just going to run half court sets. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think it's still something to be overly concerned about. Carolina was still ranked sixth in the country defensively, according to Ken Palm. It was always going to come back to a, you know, to a regression of some sort. They just got to figure out from this point moving forward what kind of defensive team they're going to be. Because you're not going to be as great as you were in the month of January, but you can't be as poor as you as you've been to start the month of February. Well, they've just—I mean—they've simply been terrible when it's come to defending off of ball screens. Like they have gotten the, the hell screened out of them, just like they did earlier in the season, and they've just have not been able to adjust. A lot of switching of screens, um, where you know before they they were trying to ice a lot of those screens. Now it seems like everything is back to being switched, which is not the worst thing when you've got guys that are defending at a high level. Last night look man most of the season we have not you know we, we've been fighting against the people that have questioned Armando Baycott last night on the defensive end of the floor I thought there were times where you just had yet you, you left guys open and Armando had a chance to close out and simply didn't and again maybe it's I don't want to be too aggressive and pick up a foul but there's times where guys are just standing wide open and part of it you know late in the game was they were doubling but early in the game, I mean, this team was just – there are times where recently they are just left scrambling. Um, Cormac Ryan, as we mentioned, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, very angry at the performance that we saw from him. I mean, on the offensive end, I don't really know how you can be that angry with him. He was the one guy that pretty much kept you in the game. Defensively, I mean, look, since he sh- helped shut down Tyrese Proctor, he has not been the same. And I think the – thing last night that concerned a lot of people to me I I don't know if if this is one of the things that really has me concerned uh, is that Seth Trimble returned to the lineup and didn't look great look he he's still you know he had a couple of games off we don't know what injury he's actually dealing with so it could have still been bothering him a little bit whatever it is and he was just playing through it Um, the bigger concern is the fact that you, you just I mean, it combines with Hubert Davis and the fact that, I mean, you can't get stops in the half court. You've seen it at times. I mean, again, you go back to the first half against Miami, very similar to what we saw in the first half against Villanova, 
Um, you know, a couple of the other games out, out in the Bahamas, and then uh, even a little bit after that, where guys would simply just take over games. Their big stars would take over games, and you would not have answers for them. Now, in that game, they were able to adjust. In this game, you couldn't make that adjustment. And the thing is, is that, yeah, that backcourt, incredibly talented. You're going to run into backcourts like that once you get later in the season. So, I mean, that's the thing. They've got to be able to figure it out. I do think it's possible because clearly they were defending at a high level early in conference play, and I get it. Those teams aren't as good as some of the teams that we've seen down the stretch, at least on the offensive end of the floor. There were some pretty good teams in there that you ended up shutting down, including you know a team like Pitt, who has become hot here recently and has one of the better players in the conference in Blake Henson. You were able to shut those guys down earlier in conference play because of the intensity that you brought on that end of the floor. To me, I mean that's where that's where it starts is you've got to bring that effort into every single game. I don't know if, if if this team is still thinking that teams are going to roll over when they play them that hey, you know, Syracuse is a team that we should be able to beat even if we don't get off to a great start, we'll eventually get it on track. But as you've seen, you know, with the Clemson and Syracuse games, you have to be able to get stops, especially down the stretch, if you're going to be able to win these games. Yeah, I thought last night was just a bad matchup for Amanda with the way that Malik Brown was able to spread the floor and make threes because I had no problem with Armando letting him shoot that. Well, he got switched off of him a lot, too, and the problem was then in the post, what led to them having a pretty solid night rebounding-wise was he was getting switched off Cadeau would end up switching on to Malik Brown, and that would lead to rebounds. Really, when you look at Malik Brown, he only really hit a a few shots early. Now, him and Chris Bell set the tone from the outside, but then that was when Mintz and Starling really took over. And once those guys started getting hot, I mean, the ball never left their hand. Like, you, you, you attempted late in the game to get the ball out of Starling's hand, but... I mean, Mintz, there, there was never a time you were able to get the basketball out of his hands if he wanted his shot. The, the other thing that concerned me, and we've seen it a couple of times here recently in these past few games, guys just getting to the spots on the floor that they want. Carolina's got to be able to knock them off of their spots. And a team like this, incredibly physical, it can bother your guards. But, I mean, that's that's something that, you're probably going to run into, as you get later into the year, you've got to be able to match that in, in some capacity. And the best way to do that is, is to press. Because if you Yes, put, if I you, agree with that. If you, if, if you put pressure in the backcourt and you make them work the ball up the court, well, now you're still crossing the timeline, 21, 22 seconds. you got to get into your action a whole lot quicker as opposed to just being able to, to walk the ball up the court and then just kind of basically isolate whatever whichever end of the floor you wanted to attack. And so that that was something that Hubert needed to do last night. He needed to get the game sped up um, be, because you, you, you gave up 86 points in a game that was played in the half court. And, you know, this is, this is not a deep team. And I, I, I thought Syracuse was tired at the under-8 timeout um, because of how they have to run their rotation. And, and and Carolina just never imposed their will. That's been the biggest issue is the first month of the the, C, of the conference season, they imposed their will, and they dictated the way the game was going to be played. And they've gotten away from that. And some of that is you've got to credit the opponent because the opponent plays a big part in that. But on the flip side, 
you you, you know you, you look at what you did so well in the Duke game in a game where you still gave up 84 points, you dictated a lot because your your your, your pressure in the full and in the half court was relentless, and it forced turnovers, and it got to easy run-out buckets, and it, it really mashed you giving up those amount of points on a 51% shooting night. And so uh, something that they got to get back to is being is being more aggressive and living and dying with the results playing that way as opposed to just letting teams do whatever they want and get whatever they want in the half court. The zone offense was an issue at times last night. Um, because you you still shot forty eight percent from the field, you still shot forty four percent from behind the three point line. A lot of those threes came while Syracuse was playing the zone. The problem is was this: your best option to put at the foul line was Elliot Cadeau, and the issue with that is Elliot Cadeau is not a scorer. So that twelve footer that 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 the, the defense offers you, he can't consistently make. Like we've seen Carolina have someone for the last 10 years be able to get to the foul line, turn around, and make a 12-footer. And also, but given how small he was, you couldn't play high-low because their length would steal the ball. They stole the ball 10 times last night. It's not a surprise because they led the they, they lead the ACC in turnovers force per game in steals force per game. And, and so you tried Harrison Ingram out there, and while he can score, he's not the passer that you need to attack that properly. Because ideally, you're putting the ball down you know, with a high-low pass to Baycott, he's laying it in, and he's dunking it. And you couldn't do it last night. And you know, Cadeau would be able to get a couple of nice bounce passes, bounce passes down low. But outside of that, they could never work the ball inside. And whenever he would try to kick the ball out to the perimeter – you know their length would be there to to intercept the ball or at least deflect it and take you out of what you wanted to do offensively. So Carolina's going to see more zone moving forward. There's no denying that you've seen it. You've seen it three straight games. The good news is, is not every team has the uh, has the roster and the the length that Syracuse's roster has. And, and I think a lot of Carolina fans and if you I mean basketball people. Like what makes that zone so tough to 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 score against and to attack is was the length, because Jim Beheim had long guards and he had long guys on the wing, and even though he's still not there, that's still his roster, and their length was the biggest reason why they couldn't properly attack it for forty minutes last night. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. I think the biggest problem is you don't have that guy in the middle, that automatic guy that can stand at the foul line and knock down a shot or dish it off down low. You've got the passer in Cadeau, but we saw him try to put up a few shots and they weren't even close. That's just, that is not a part of his game right now. Harrison Ingram, he's got the mid-range game. There's no question about that. I think that's one of the best areas of his game. but. As you mentioned, I mean, he's a good passer. Don't get it wrong, especially for a guy that plays that stretch four. But he's not the passer that Cadeau is that can find creative ways to get the ball inside to Baycott. And I think that's what really bothered him. And, yeah, the length definitely is an issue um, that Carolina was not able to solve in this game. But, I mean, we saw it against Clemson, too. I mean, they went zone on you, especially late in the game, and that was where a lot of your turnovers were produced. So 
I mean, that they, they've got to be able to figure that out because, yeah, teams are going to see now that that is the best way to defend this team. And it makes sense, right? Because when you when you play zone, it's tougher to get the ball inside. The best spot that you can get it to is that foul line, and you know you don't have that guy. Or you've got to be able to knock down just a ton of shots from the outside. And I think you know we saw in this game, and it's been the last you know few games since really since that Duke game, and even you know the game against Georgia Tech had some questionable moments as well. The shot selection for this team has gotten back to sort of what we saw last year. I don't think it's nearly as bad because as you mentioned they shot that they they you know still found a way to shoot uh 48%. But there are still times where it is just maddening and it's your best players too. I mean it's shots from RJ Davis that just leave you scratching your head. Um just forcing things up and and that's the thing that's a little scary is that you're starting to see this team take those types of shots consistently where before that was incredibly rare. I mean, I we, we went, I mean, the first two, two and a half months, it felt like without a game where, and it might have even been longer than that, without a game where we honestly felt like this team is taking bad shots more often than they're taking good shots in a game. And now it feels like these last few games, that that that's what we're seeing consistently is this team is forcing stuff, and you just don't have like I thought last night and and early in the game I believed that this was going to be the case. If you put the ball up, you would be able to get offensive rebounds and finish. And if this team was rebounding at that high of a level, they're still look they're a better rebounding team than they were earlier in the season. There's no doubt about that. They win the rebounding battle again last night, but. They need if they were going to find a way to win this game, they needed a rebounding performance. Not exactly like the one that they had at home against Syracuse. I mean, he had ripped down fifty-three rebounds and won the rebounding margin by twenty-three. But you probably needed to have a double-digit advantage on the glass in order for that to happen, and it just wasn't there for Carolina. I mean, the fact that they won the rebounding battle despite a team shooting 62% is, is is pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, this this is a team that has to figure out how to attack this zone or they have to have guys that just start getting hot from beyond the arc. And maybe last night was that night for Cormac Ryan. That was a good performance on the offensive end outside of the turnovers late. That part, yeah, you can be frustrated with that part. But the people that are saying that he needs to be out of the starting lineup, for, I would implore you to tell me what Seth Trimble did great on the offensive end of the floor that would give you confidence in him starting and playing more minutes than Cormac Ryan in order for you to go with that strategy. But, I mean, hopefully those outside shots can start to fall for Carolina because if not, it's going to really take a lot from Hubert Davis and from this group just all together to be able to adjust to what teams are going to be throwing at him, which will be heavy zone. Yeah, I mean, look, I I love the idea of Cadeau being that guy at the foul line. He's your best passer. He's got the best vision on the team. I thought Jimmy Dykes pointed this out uh, very uh, 
uh, very pointedly on the broadcast. He's got to move though within the zone. Like he would just get to wherever he wanted to get to and stand. You got you got to basically work that foul line and just be a constant passing target mm-hmm. and, and really have your hands held high. And the other th- another thing is teams aren't going to have the same length that Syracuse has. And and so you'll be able to pass better out of it. You'll be able to work the high low just a little bit better. And ultimately, what it does is it's going to force him to develop a mid range game. Um, and look, this team needs him to emerge as a scorer um, for them to really reach their full potential. Another big reason why Carolina got beat, and and I I told you guys this a month and a half ago. And, and I told you that this was that this was a problem that at some point was going to come back to bite Carolina, and it's done that within the, the, this recent run of run of games. Carolina's not they're not closing games, they're not finishing games, and in the win streak, they weren't really doing it either on the offensive end. They were doing it defensively, getting rebounds, making free throws, but you're you're there once again at the under four minute timeout. With this this game in the balance, it could go either way, and your your two most experienced players, Cormac Ryan and Armando Baycock, commit turnovers. Uh, your the most important and your best player on your team takes a villa, you know, a, 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 an ill-advised shot that I bet you Carolina charted it as a turnover because it led to a run out the other end, and and so you know we've talked so much about liking being old. And I love being on this fifth. This is the fifth oldest team in the country, but one 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 concerning pattern is outside of the Miami game. And now, granted, this game finished by more of a margin than six points. This team hasn't won close games uh, when you look at the final score margin. And, and so, um, and a lot of it is because your best players aren't making the plays that you expect them. You expect them to make. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill Armando Baycott for his turnover. That was just kind of wrong place, wrong time, and unfortunate circumstance. But you you had Cormac Ryan basically dribble the ball off the side of his foot. Uh, same thing with Harrison Ingram, where his pinky just just gets in the way. It almost makes you wonder how much of this is being worked on in practice, because this has not been an area where we've seen Carolina improve as the season moves along and um I, I would hate to think they're not being prepared i mean hubert davis played for a coach that you know spent the last half of his practice every day going over the last two minutes the last four minutes of a, of a ball game we know under roy williams they they practice late game situations uh very fluently very frequently as well but that is something that if we want to talk about being a legit issue a legit concern and a reason to maybe be panicked about this team, that is one because it was an issue during the winning streak. It was being masked by you getting consistent stops defensively, and since that's gone away, the lose the the, the losses have started to pile up here. Well, I mean, look, the stat coming into the other day, you know, 0-4 in games decided by six points or less uh, coming into that Miami game. Now, they win that game, and ultimately this is one that – it ends up being a seven-point game, so it won't count in that category. But you could almost push it up to seven points or less because that these are the types of games that it just feels like when Carolina gets in them, they just have not been able to find a way to win. And yeah, a lot of the time when we're talking about it, 
we have pointed to the veterans as as part of the reason why Carolina isn't able to get it done. Now, of course, when you have four of your five starters that are veterans, it makes sense that those are the guys that are going to be making the mistakes ultimately for you to not be able to win. Part of the reason why I am so concerned, I should have brought it up when, when we were talking right out of the gate, is that you look at the last two losses, and it's not even the fact that you're not able to knock down shots, right? It's the fact that you are not able to get shots off. Like against Clemson and Syracuse, you had problems down the stretch of turning the ball over to the point where you can't get shots off in the final minutes. Like that's the that's the thing that's really concerning to me. And then, I mean, even the Miami game, they didn't have a field goal the last four minutes of the game. So, like, you you are literally just holding on for dear life in these games. And with a group that th- that is this veteran-laden, with a player the caliber of R.J. Davis, and even a big man like Armando Baycott, it, it is shocking to me that this team, in those types of moments, has not been able to find a way to really put it together. And, you know, that was an area early in the season. I think a lot of us were just like, okay, still early in the year, Carolina will figure it out. But, yeah, you're right. As the season's gone along, I mean, especially you look at the last three games that Carolina has been in that have been close like that. I mean, it is it, it has been near disastrous for Carolina. So, I, I mean, it's really just about the veterans being able to step up. And here's the other thing, right? We got we have gotten on Hubert Davis for taking the air out of the basketball in these situations. And the other day, it came back to bite him because it got him in a close game. Part of the reason, though, why he takes the air out of the basketball late in games is he does not want his team to get into a close game because for some reason, when this team gets into close games, it feels like there is a little bit of panic to these guys despite their age. Last thing we'll talk about but before we maybe revisit what we talked about in the in the Open um, you get Seth Trimble back. He plays 11 minutes. He, he scores a point. I, I, I thought his on-ball defense made a difference whenever Carolina were getting the, the few stops that they got last night. The more the more important thing to look at is he only played 11 minutes, and, and that was probably expected. You weren't gonna you weren't gonna overload him in his first game back in over a week. But Jalen Washington just nine minutes. And Jalen Withers just seven minutes. Now, what's ironic is is Withers scores four points, goes two of two from the field, and Washington scores five points, goes two of two from the field, including a three off and inbounds. And, and I've 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 said this at different junctures at, at certain times where, um, you know, with with RJ, you you've got to play him and you got to play him a lot. And, and he played thirty seven minutes the other night. Carolina, after this game this weekend against Virginia Tech, they've got a week off. They need it as much as anybody, really just to get their legs back. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you know, Cormac Ryan, 40 minutes last night. And then you, Harrison Ingram, 33. Cadeau, 31. Baycott, 30. This was, this was a bench that even to start conference play, you had virtually at least two guys every night playing double-digit minutes. And Washington got close. And Withers played seven, but there's there's a there's a lack of trust with the bench at the moment, and I don't necessarily blame Hubert for it. 
I thought last night was the best Jalen Washington has looked in roughly about a month because um, he's so fragile that when he gets inside, he just gets bullied and bodied around and isn't really the force that you need him to be on on the glass. Jalen Withers played really, really good for a stretch and is now in a stretch of games where he's not playing well. So his minutes are going to fluctuate. That's just part of it. But, um, you know, we, we thought Carolina had developed legitimate ACC depth. And for the most part, I still think that is true. But there is no denying that in the last five games, Hubert has opted to run his starters more, play his starters more. Um, and I don't think it's an accident that you've seen some of the inefficient shooting numbers you've seen, especially from RJ here the last five games as he's shooting just 38% from the field. T- tired legs, and the thing is, you talk about not being able to press. When you're running these guys for so much, so so much time because you're not using the bench, it does make that a little bit more difficult. So if you want to see that press, we may have to start seeing some other guys. I, I mean, I... I just don't know how Paxson Wojcik doesn't play last night. That th- th- I was going to say the exact same thing. I'm glad you went there. Like to me, I get it, dude. He's not a superstar. Don't don't get it wrong. Like on the offensive end, I don't really know what how much he would have brought. He could have came in and turned the ball over a lot. But to me, like, let's throw him out there, even if it's for two minutes. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, this is not looking good. We got to get him right back out. Just just throw something different at them. And we never saw that. He, to me, he had played well while Seth Trimble was out of the lineup. Yes. He deserved, he earns a, a, a couple of minutes and then you don't go to him. Like, I don't know, man. It's, it, that's, it's a little confusing. And these last two games, I, you know, I'm not, and people are going to construe this as now I'm saying, well, you're saying he's not the guy. You're one of the fire Hubert guys. No, but. The last two games, there have been moments that I have questioned with Hubert Davis, where the majority of the season, I I thought he was doing just, he was making just about every right call. These last couple of games, there have been some things that have left me kind of scratching my head. And yeah, Wojcik not playing last night was definitely one of them. And look, here's the thing. And and look, I'm as guilty of this as much as anybody. He's a third-year head coach who's been in coaching 12 total years. Mm Mm-hmm. He's still learning as he's going. This staff is still learning as they're going. And maybe that's one where Brad Frederick, when he gets when whenever he looks back and reevaluates the game, maybe he goes, I gotta tell Hubert we gotta put Pax in the game. I gotta do a better job at getting in his ear to substitute. I gotta do a better job at maybe just calling a timeout to give my guys a blow. Mm-hmm. Now something that Adrian Autry did, he just called a timeout just to give his guys a chance for two and a half minutes to get some Gatorade and some water in them. And and and, and so we'll we'll end with with this and we kind of started with this. Because I, I saw this so much on the timeline last night where we're we're just in free fall mode. Um and we're in full blown we're in full blown panic city. Um you're certainly there because now they're not good enough to make the final four. They're gonna finish third in the ACC. Um a lot of fire Which still would not be a, a a bad fit. Like I'm not the people this is the thing. I think you have to define what panic is. People that are literal I've had people that have told me this team may not win a game the rest of the regular season and may miss the tournament. Then that's just insanity. Not like, believing they're no longer good enough to make the final four, that qualifies as panic because they're still a capable team of making the final four. There's eighteen 
to 14 teams that can win a national championship, there are 14 to 20 teams that can make a Final Four. Carolina still fits that fits fits that mold. They they have the makeup of a team that can is now is it as surefire as maybe it looked two weeks ago when after the Duke win we were kind of wanting to see if maybe we put them on the same floor with UConn. What does that game look like? I still think this team could play could could beat Kentucky if you put them on a neutral court today. But so much of the the fire Hubert Davis crowd. Um, was 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 uh was was out and about last night. Oh, of course they were. My my my, my favorite one, and th- th- this th- this one just really irked me, is is guys we we've got to we we've got to let what happens during football season stay during football oh, season. Oh my god, that, that Be- because yeah, that I might saw, have been worse than the Hubert stuff. I saw so many people say that we're gonna collapse just like the football team collapsed. By the way, can somebody show me an example of Carolina basketball doing that? Like people were bringing up, well, that's what they've done the last few years. Um, Man, we're did two, you watch the team? Did you watch these teams? We're two years removed from playing for a national championship. Last year wasn't a collapse. No, they weren't good to, throughout the year. They they the problem last year they were just an abject failure. They were like fits and starts. They would look like okay, they're going to start to get something going, and then they would immediately bring you back down with a loss that was like, oh my god, the football team the last two years, guys, is literally great start. Hopes are incredibly high, and then you completely drop off a cliff. Like, legitimately not winning a single game down the stretch of the season two years ago, and then this past year beating one FBS opponent down the stretch, a team, by the way, that was playing their third-string quarterback. And like, and like, here, like come on, man. That's that's insane. And, and people comparing uh, Hubert's just like Mac Brown. Mac Brown can't even can't even begin to think about to establish the type of culture Hubert Davis has established in three years. Dude, just 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 can't. I am a huge look, man. You guys know we we get into back and forth on the football podcast all the time about where the program is at, about how Mac Brown is handling stuff. But for the most part, we agree that Mac Brown right now the the, the culture around that program is not great. The shine has worn off his return. Like, you're talking about a coach in Hubert Davis that in his first year on the job, he took a team to the Final Four and beat Duke to make the national title game. Had a 15-point lead at halftime of the national title game over one of the better champions in recent memory in Kansas. Now, look, that's that's not supposed to be, oh, celebrated the fact that they lost, but I'm just saying, with Mac Brown, like... Uh, yeah, he's got a national title. That was in 05, guys. Like it's still look, it's still part of his his legacy. That's not something you take away from him. But like this stint of his life, it's completely different. And what's the most success that he's had at Carolina since coming back in his five years? I mean, he's what, made an ACC title game, took the team to an orange bowl. By the way, they didn't win either one of those games. So well, like, like my, my point that's is wild, this, man. Dude, that's look, that's insanity. Tar Heel football exists to get us to Carolina basketball. That's what it's there for. It is just a it's a holding place to get us to this season. Don't compare the two. They're incomparable. You've got the most storied program in one sport and one of the most biggest signs of mediocrity in the other sport. So comparing them is stupid 
and it's 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 just a gigantic waste of time. Okay, what about the Cormac people too? By the way, these people that want this kid basically kicked off the team. They don't you like sim- simply come put, on, man. You, you don't know basketball. If if you take Cormac Ryan off this team, they're not they're not in first place in the ACC. That's simple. I mean, the he's dude, too important to what he's too important to what they've done defensively. Yes, because he competes his tail off. Um, he connects a lot of things to what they do on both ends of the court because everyone is still terrified of his ability to shoot the ball from from the outside. And then the leadership that he that he has brought to this team is invaluable. And you know what I don't question when every time I watch Cormac Ryan play? I don't question if he wants to win. I know the guy wants to win. And I know that it's killing him that he isn't shooting the ball the way that we thought he was going to shoot the ball upon transferring in. Yep. Because if you listen to his interview with Jones and Angel on the Carolina Insider broad- uh, podcast, you can you can feel how much this place means to him. And he's been here a year. He 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 is... He is the transfer example of what Hubert Davis wants in a Carolina basketball player. Well, Harrison Ingram is too. A guy that is two feet in and that is solely committed to helping the team win. And look, I've been hard on him because he shot the ball too much for a guy that's shooting 30% from three. But if we're going to do the things that I still think we can do and the things that I think we're still going to do, he's going to be a big part of it. Because if he doesn't, then we're going to fall short, and then we'll revisit this and say, "Yep, they peaked in. They peaked in January." I hate to break it to people too, and I like Set Trimble. I think he's taken a step this year. Set Trimble is not a better overall player than Cormac Ryan. No, he's it's just a, not. He's, he's he's not there offensively. His role is so, perfect, being yes. the energizer bunny, the defensive guy coming off the bench. That's when Seth Trimble is at his best, and so I, I just. Guys, chill out. Chill out. Take a Xanax. Go to the gummy store. Light. Wow. Light a blunt. No. Do whatever we you got to do. That we can't suggest that. It's not legal in this state. It's, it is March. It is March 14th. There are six so AC- February. February 14th. There's, said March. there's six ACC regular season games to go. You've got an ACC tournament. In an NCAA tournament, every th- our season didn't end because we lost to Syracuse. Our season goal wasn't to beat Syracuse. Our season goal was to finish top three in the ACC, advance, maybe win an ACC tournament final, and get to at bare minimum the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Because once you get there, it's a crapshoot and anything can happen. And the last time I checked. That's still possible. Do they need to play better? Yes. Do they need to coach better? Yes. Is all that possible? Yes. So be frustrated. Be upset. I'm not content with losing, but be realistic. Look around the country. Do your homework. This is college basketball, except this is the new reality in the portal era. In the NIL era, the days of Carolina going 36-3, and 34-4, those days are over. You had a national championship team lose nine games a year ago. Nine. And they had the most dominant tournament run we've ever seen in the history of the tournament. So this team is, they're going to lose. We said during the losing streak, they're going to lose games. 
I still thought even at 9-0, and 15-5 and was a realistic finishing point because of how tough the schedule was down the stretch. It's not over. And I would, I would hate for you as a fan to miss out and enjoy what, could, what has been a fun season, what's going to be a fun finish to the season because they lost a road game to Syracuse. Be a better fan because you deserve it because the last five years we've watched this program not deliver in the ways that we expect this program to deliver year in, year out. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Guys, before we let you go, we do encourage you to visit the website HeelToughBlog.com where go back and read about the loss to Syracuse more if you want. Um, We'll be back later in the week getting you ready for Saturday's tilt at home against Virginia Tech. Any news and notes that come out on the football side of things, Anthony, of course, has you covered. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. With that, guys, this is going to wrap up another edition of the show. Do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.